Well, what a week, huh? Oh my goodness. It's becoming normal, isn't it? I don't remember growing up having every week. It's like the first week of February, we were totally shut down. Thank God for no rolling blackouts, though. Oh my goodness. Oh, that was horrible. Well, today's one of those special days that resonate. We're going to share testimonies uh, from you, from the body of Christ, from people here at Resonate. Resonate. But I had so many turned in this week that I felt that we needed to make it a two-week event. Okay, so that's what we're going to do. We're a two-week event uh, sharing testimonies, and so we kind of split them up. And so if some of you sent in, uh, I tried to my best to, to communicate, but... Well, if you don't hear yours today, we'll, we'll share it next week. But um, um, I wanted to jump. I wanted before we get into that, I want to just share a few things that I think are important as we give testimonies uh, about what God's done in people's lives. Num- the number one thing I would say is Romans twelve fifteen says, "Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep." As you listen to these stories, these are not uh, people from far away. These are people sitting in these chairs that have gone through things. Put yourself in their shoes as you're, as you're listening. Um, that's part of what we do is, is the body of Christ. We, we listen, we empathize, we feel, we love on one another, and we celebrate with one another. Uh, the, the, the second thing I would say is genuinely be happy for your brother and sister in Christ for what God did in their life. Okay, so it's easy to go, oh, okay, okay, okay. I mean, I actually go, man, thank you, God, for doing that in our, in our people's lives. Thank God for that. So just, just have a genuine excitement for that. Um, the third thing I would say is Romans 2.11 says God shows no favoritism. Okay? So meaning if God can do it for one person, he can do it for you. All right? Now, it may not always look the same way. Is it always give the same results? No. Sometimes people get healed and some people don't. Sometimes people get delivered and they don't get delivered. But the, one of the things we got to understand is understanding our Heavenly Father is not looking at one person and saying, Oh, yeah, yeah, well, I really like them a lot more. Let's take care of their needs. I'll help them get by. That is not. God loves with an everlasting love. And the Bible's clear. He shows no favoritism. I know. Diana says God's his favorite. She says her favorite. I get it. I get it. But I always say we're all his favorite. So here's the thing. Just understand that as you're listening to these stories. And one of the things we say a lot is let uh, someone's testimony could be your prophecy. You hear something and go, oh, man, Lord, do it, for, do it, do it in my situation. Do it for me. Um, this is meant to stir our faith. It has a couple of reasons. One is to stir our faith. And number two, we always are talking about being a family. Well, this is one of the ways we, we try to feel like family. Let's hear from one another. You know, let's hear what God's done in people's lives. But I also want to just say this. Um, Hebrews 11.1 1 now says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, do you see those two words, faith? In hope, faith is the substance of things that are been hoped for. Do you understand the scripture makes a distinguish distinguishes between faith and hope? They're two different things. Two different things. Um, everything starts with hope and moves to faith. Let, let me understand this. Fe- hope 
is the character of God. It's who he is. So when we think about hope, it's God can do something. Faith goes even further and says God will and wants to do something. Okay? So let me put it in this, this uh, um, idea here. So hope could be God. I still believe God heals. It's in his character. It's what he does. He heals. Scriptures speak it. So we can start there and say, I believe God is still the healer. He's still in the miracle-making business. Faith moves it even further and says, God wants to heal me. God wants to heal me. So why am I, why am I saying this? Is because some of us are having a hard time praying prayers of faith because we don't have any hope. We can't even pray the fear. God, do this in my life because the reality is we don't actually believe that God still does it. Maybe you've been taught God still doesn't, he doesn't do that anymore. Don't even, don't even. So as soon as you have, as soon as you're told God doesn't speak or God doesn't, God doesn't do miracles, he doesn't intervene, then immediately you think, well, I don't have any faith to believe for that. God doesn't do it anymore. So as we listen to the testimonies today, um, I want us to, some of you are going to be, are going to have hope restored. You're going to hear these things because you're going, if you think about a hopeless situation, it's like, it's just hopeless. What you're saying is God can't do it. God, that's too big or God doesn't intervene or that's not his way. So I believe today as you hear some of these stories about, because there's all kinds of marriage and, and jobs and uh, depression and healing and all this kind of stuff. You're going to hear these things and I'm hoping for some of you, hope is going to be restored to go, I think God still does this. It's pretty obvious. Some of you, it's going to move from hope to faith. Now God wants to do this in my life. And so that's my prayer as we um, step into these uh, testimonies. So let's just pray and ask the Lord to speak to us today through God's, uh, through the testimonies. So Lord, we just thank you, Father, for the people of God. I thank you that you're moving in this church. It is so obvious. I can't read these stories, Father, without shedding tears, knowing that you're doing a mighty work in our people. So, Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, let faith arise. Let hope arise today. I pray the anointing upon these stories. I pray the anointing upon these testimonies. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. I pray for everybody who is sharing their testimony that it becomes real. No, God really did this. And I pray for every person listening today. We just receive the hope and the faith to believe for our own lives, Lord, that you are still working and moving. And you want to do it in us. And that's who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead. Hey, just real quick, parents, there are some testimonies that are going to be shared that are... Um, I would say probably more PG-13. So if you have kiddos in here and that's something you're like, oh, I just want to give you a heads up. Okay? Yes, that's good. All right. So what we're going to do, a couple things. As we read them, I'm going to ask the person to read them, not while we're reading, but just to stand up to, uh, so that we know who you are because I want to put a face to name as they're sharing it. And then at the end of, of many of these testimonies, we're going to stop and we're going to pray for every person that may be dealing with some of these things and, 
and believe. So the first one is Angelica Gore. Where's Angelica? She's right here. <laughs> All right, just stand up there as Angelica. Because the other thing I want you to do is there, you might be struggling at the end of this thing. I want you to, if, if, if their testimony uh, spoke to you or you need want prayer for them, you should go to them because they have a breakthrough and pray that God does something in your life. All right? So, all right. You, it's okay. You don't be embarrassed. This is good. It's powerful testimony. Here we go. And you can put her name up there. So we, as Angelica, is it Angelica or Angelica? I call her Angelica. Because that's the like? real Spanish translation. Okay. But everyone else says Angelica. All right. She says, at the last half of 2021, I was in a bit of a slump, but I just dealt with it by just going through the motions. Then in December of 2021, having, after having to experience endure the passing of my biological father, I really went in through a bad depression and anxiety. The depression I had was something I had never felt, and the anxiety that I had always struggled with heightened. I was having anxiety attacks a lot more frequently. On top of that, work would drain me in every possible way, mentally, emotionally, and physically. So to say the least, every single day I'd cry before work, at work, and after work. And then I'd go home and I wouldn't have the motivation to do anything. So I just sat or slept in my depression hole, not even having the energy to do any of this everyday essentials I knew I needed to do. So to say the least, I was mad at God. I didn't understand how everything could have happened, happened, could possibly happen to me. I didn't understand how he could keep me in a place where I just wasn't happy. I felt like I was crying every single day. I was done. I stopped praying. I stopped reading my Bible. I really only went to church out of feeling obligated to, even though in my heart I didn't want to be there. But it didn't matter because I thought I was hiding everything and pushing it down so nobody would have to worry about me. We've all done that. That, I don't, that only made it worse because that's when I really started to go even further down the deep, dark hole. I realized it had gotten bad when not only my husband, but my parents, my mother-in-law all had conversations with me separately saying, I wasn't okay. I needed to do something to get better because they were tired and hurting to see me this way and seeing that I wasn't myself. It took a while, but in May of 2022, I really started working on my relationship with God again. I laid it all at his feet because in the midst of the ugliness and my yelling and my blaming, blaming him for my hurt, I realized that I never actually asked him for help. I never surrendered my heart fully to him to take care of it. And you know what he did? He not only healed my heart, he took care of all the other things that came along with my brokenness. He then asked me if I trusted him when I said yes. He continued with asking me to quit my job even though I didn't have any jobs lined up. So after many arguments between him and I and having both my husband and family fully supporting it, I put my resignation at Ulta after working there for three years. So the whole month of June, I went without work. And when that worry and fear tried to creep in again, when I started looking at the upcoming bills, God asked me to trust him again. And once again, I said yes. He asked me to lay it all at his feet, so I did. And that same day, I, the same day I did, Zachary comes home telling me he's getting promotion with a pay increase. Praise God. I was able to sleep again. I was cooking. I was clinging again without it feeling like a chore, like it was draining me. I was laughing again. I was reading my Bible. I was praying, worshiping, and going to the church without it feeling like an obligation. I was happy again. And for the cherry on top, at the end of the month, I got a job offer that paid way more than what I was making at Ulta while doing so much less labor-wise. And after starting and being where I'm at for almost not eight months, I can say that they treat me so much better than I know 
Ulta ever could. I'm surrounded by like-minded people who love Jesus and actually care for my well-being. I'm so grateful that even when I was at my absolute lowest, God still was chasing after me. He still wanted me, and He still loved me and took care of me. So to wrap it up, God is always good whether we see it or not. And even though I'm still healing, I know that this season He allowed me to go through was far greater was a far greater purpose. I wouldn't change what happened. It ultimately brought so many blessings into my life because of it. Let's give God praise for that. Hey. So I just want to take a second, and I want to pray for those who are dealing with depression in here. I know it's, it's probably more than we would think. I've been in a season of depression before, and you just feel it's, it's tough. And I just want to pray, uh, I'm not going to single out, but just everybody close their eyes for a second. And if this is you, I want your faith to rise that God can bring you out of this, but we've got to surrender it to it. So Lord, we just come before you for every person who's dealing with mental health, depression in this room. And I pray that spirit be broken in their lives in the name of Jesus. Break it off right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we just surrender this hurt to you. We just surrender this depression, this anxiety. We lay it at your feet, Father. We say, Lord Jesus, it's yours. Heal me. Change me. Restore my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Um, next, SD. SD Malingu. Her real name is Sarah back. Danielle, but she goes by SD. Where are you? Are you back there with Eugene, your husband? Yeah, there she is. She's standing up. What, one more time. One more time. Stand up, SD, so everybody can see you. There she is. Beautiful. Um, just, I mean, it's... I. They've been coming for three years, three, four years, and I had no idea that this, it's incredible. Um, it's amazing, her story. So let me, let me say it. I have always believed my story as a believer was a little boring and not the typical, not the typical awe-inspiring or encouraging story worth sharing. However, the last few months, I have learned that it deserves telling because it is a story of redemption, restoration, and a love that stays. I have known the Lord my whole life and can recall as young as six years old, praying at the altar of the Pentecostal church my family attended. It was an immature childlike faith, but God says you only need faith the size of a mustard seed. I believe the insignificant amount of faith in Jesus that I had at that time is what saved my life. I grew up in a home in constant turmoil. My father was not a good father and my mother was just trying to survive. Most of my childhood involved my sisters and I just trying to stay out of the way and trying not to anger our father. This was an impossible feat, constantly walking on eggshells, especially if there was a temporary peace. My mother eventually left my father when I was 14 years old and took my two older sisters, um, is it Rafi, is that how you say it? And Gabby, those of you know who know um, Gabby Axworth is her sister. I did not know that this happened until the following morning when I noticed they were gone. 
I was confused, worried, angry, and very lonely. At this phase in my life, I blamed my mother for our family's problems and formed an odd loyalty to my father. My mother, scared I would tell my father of her plans to leave, decided to leave me there with the intention of coming back with for no, me. Yeah. Oh, sorry. This did not happen until I was an adult when I made the choice to leave my father's home at 19. So in the five years that I lived alone with my father, I became his therapist and his fill-in wife. My father would talk at me for hours, trash-talking my mother, siblings, my mother's side of the family, or anyone else that he took offense at. He would often wake me in the middle of the night for these therapy sessions. I was expected to handle the cooking, cleaning, manage our 10-acre farm, which included caring for goats, chickens, and cats, mowing, and all the other tasks that go along with owning a farm. Eventually, this responsibility extended to helping my father run his doctor's office, including, but not limited to, managing the office's accounts, cleaning the office, serving as a receptionist as needed, and also learning to be the office's medical billing representative. Of course, on top of all this, I was expected to complete my normal homeschool work. She was just a child. This was obviously not feasible as I also went through a long season of depression, so I did not graduate high school until I was 20 years old. From ages 15 to 18, I was sexually abused by another family member. This person convinced me that he loved me and wanted to marry me if his wife ever divorced him. He made me to believe and frequently reminded me of how mad my family would be if they ever found out. At the time, I thought it was his own conscience speaking, but I have since learned that this was an attempt to shift the feelings of shame and guilt to me. His tactics worked. I didn't understand any of the occurrences during this time and blamed myself for his sin for years. I felt guilty, ashamed, and dirty. This time of my life traumatized me so much that my brain hid these traumatic experiences in a mental closet and threw away the key to the door until just a few years ago. When I remembered what happened, the old feelings of guilt and shame came back just as strongly as they were before. If I had a dollar for every time that I cried out to the Lord for, for forgiveness, I would be a wealthy woman. Whenever I would read verses in the Bible regarding adultery, I felt sick and ashamed. Finally, about two years ago, I had the realization for the first time that what happened to me was not my fault. I finally told my sweet husband, Eugene, the truth of what happened. It was the first time I had ever told anyone. My heart was pounding and hands shaking, worried of how he would react. After all, we have been married for seven years. How would he feel knowing I had kept this secret from him for so long? Of course, being the wonderful person that he is, all of the fears I had were unfounded. After I left my father's house, there were many opportunities through work, acquaintances, and college friends where I could have chosen a different path that would have led to quite a different life than the one I have now. So the Holy Spirit guided me even when I insisted I knew what I was doing. Um, spoiler alert, I had no clue. I joked with my sister that somehow we turned out somewhat normal. Statistics say that I should be in prison, hooked on drugs, or worse. But God said that that was not for me. I should be a high school dropout, but God. That girl that graduated high school late at age 20 graduated from college three years later with honors. I should be depressed and anxiety-ridden, but God. My heart should be hard and bitter, 
but God. Looking back on my life, I can see how evident his hand was in every moment of my life. The many times I listened to his voice without even knowing it was him. The many times where he comforted me, comforted me and sustained me. Even though I went through hard times, it does not mean he has not had his hand over my life. If I never went through the tough times, I would never understand his heart as I now do. He has shared with me that this is a year of redemption for me, and what he has started in my life will be completed. All my life, he has been faithful and good. He has stayed with me, waiting patiently until I was ready. He's never left. He's a good father. And then she has in 1 Peter 4, 12 through 13 in here. Dear friends, don't be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes among you to test you as if something unusual were happening to you. Instead, rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ so that you may also rejoice with great joy when his glory is revealed. I'm going to read Eugene's and then I want us to pray together because Eugene has her husband. Uh, Eugene, stand up. Stand up back there. All right, there's Eugene. Because... Wow, what a testimony. That takes courage, as Steve, yeah. to, for ha- having that hidden for so long and then just two years ago sharing with your husband. Two months ago? Maybe, maybe three months. Oh, I, I didn't. Okay, wow. And then you're sharing it with the whole church family. It's just, it's incredible just the, the, um, what God has done to free you. So that you can speak of it and, and share it with us. Thank you, Esty. So Eugene tells his story, which is really powerful too. I was born and raised in Kenya, a middle child with an older brother and a younger sister growing up. I feared my dad because of the severe beatings he would give me and my siblings. Now as an adult, I've learned my mom probably feared him too, which explains why she was silent and didn't defend us. I have scars all over my body from my father and developed so much anger towards him. When he finally left us, we were so happy, even though we had to struggle for even a simple meal of vegetables in Ugali. Is that how you say that? (laughs) We were happy. No more whispering in the house, no more walking on eggshells to avoid conflict. Our lives changed for the better instantly. My mom was a school teacher and raised us in a single room and would always tell us, the importance of going to church and going to school. She had a lot of impact in my life. About 15 years ago, I was blessed with an opportunity to come to America through Christian missionaries. I was still angry with my dad and really had nothing good to say about him. My wife and I joined a home group to resonate, and I joined a men's Bible study about a year ago. Since that time, I have learned a lot about being a Christ-centered dad and husband. I've Talk to some of the men in the Bible study about my dad, and they would always tell me things I didn't want to hear, that I need to forgive my dad. That's Mike Roberts' uh, Bible study, men, so it's a great Bible study. At this point, both of my siblings, my mom had some form of communication with my dad, not a relationship. In fact, my mom pays for his cancer medication, and I urged him to stop many, her to stop many times. She always reminded me that I needed to forgive him. In October 2022, SD and I went to Kenya, and because of the heart work God had been doing in my heart, when I saw my dad for the first time in 20 years, I told him I forgive him. (laughs) 
He did not have much to say because to him, forgiveness meant he was going to get financial support for me. He walked away from me while I was still talking. This action did bring closure to me. I went to my dad to make things right. Even though he did not respond in a good way, I'm at peace. I do not have anger towards him anymore. Praise God. And I just want us to pray for, have you, Sarah, pray over especially the anger and the unforgiveness that we might experience towards those who've hurt us in the past. And that God, there, there's a healing, there's freedom. Um, confess your sins before one another and you may be healed. That's what, what uh, James tells us. There's something when you get it out and say, I forgive, I let go. Because even though they did something wrong, our sin is that we hold forgiveness and hatred towards somebody. And so when we let that go, God brings so much healing in our hearts. And so I just want us to pray that for anybody in this room, if you... If you're in here and you're thinking like, yeah, yeah, I've got that, just let's pray that God set you free today. God, I thank you that, um, Jesus, you modeled for us how to forgive those who have hurt us, those who have beaten us physically, those who have abused us emotionally, and um, even sexually. God, I thank you that, that um, you're giving us hope today that those who are hearing this, these two stories specifically, there's something in your life that has, this has triggered that. And Holy Spirit, I think that you're dropping that seed of hope in their heart, that they will be able to forgive, that, that the, um, the shame or the hatred that, that has been um, building walls around their heart, that you, Jesus, will deliver them from that that you will break down the walls, you will break off the shame and break off the unforgiveness, the bitterness, and that they will walk in freedom and in wholeness, God, and in forgiveness, freely giving what they have been uh, given, that you've given us forgiveness. We freely give it. But I pray that that supernatural work will happen in their hearts and they will truly from their hearts be able to forgive. You, Jesus, with you all things are possible. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Lord, we, we let it go. We surrender it. Okay. Next one, Aubrey. Where is Aubrey Harper? Aubrey, right there. Okay, Aubrey Harper. I have had eight surgeries on my throat to remove polyps from the time I was four years old through the age of 15. The polyps had gone away for three years until I turned 18. I had the surgery to remove the last one in September of 22, and my follow-up appointment has shown that they are all now gone and have not returned. I give God full credit for my healing and continue to pray for his touch every day of my life. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's give him praise. Amen. I'm going to call Norm and Candace. Where are you guys at? Norm and Candace Burke. They're going to come up and share their testimony here. Here, I'm going to give them this here. You're right here. 
last year has been a very difficult year. We sold our house and we moved as soon as we moved into our new house. We began to have many major issues with the house. We had to spend thousands just to make it livable. We would get one issue fixed and another would come up almost immediately. Things went on like this for months. We also had some very difficult issues with our children come up. We had one of our cars involved in an accident and while it was still being repaired, our other car died, leaving us without a car. My wife's mom was diagnosed with advanced Alzheimer's and had to be moved from their home in Georgia here so that we could help take care of them. However, this has proven very hard on my wife, having to watch her mom turn into a stranger in front of her. All these things finally came to a head when my wife and I started having some very serious marital issues. And we both were hurt very deeply. This was about the time that we started the 21-day fast. I decided that I would truly take the fast seriously for the first time. I attended the prayer service that Wednesday night and I cried out to Jesus about everything that was going on, especially with my wife. A few days later, we had another major issue come up with our house. This caused me to have a panic attack for the first time in my life. I couldn't breathe, I couldn't think, I felt like my entire life was falling apart and there was nothing I could do to stop it. It was the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back. The next morning I was severely depressed and full of anxiety. This was my rock bottom. I confronted my wife about the issues we were having. And this is when God showed me that this whole thing was my fault. You see, I was once. I was once engaged to another woman who called off our wedding and broke off our relationship while I was stationed overseas in the military and she never gave me a reason. Ever since then I guarded my heart and I would not allow myself to love anyone else like that ever again. Because of this I never gave my wife the love and affection she truly deserved. I withheld that part of myself from her, and this left her starved for affection and lonely. I had also not been loving my wife as Christ loved the church. I had not been loving her sacrificially. I was living my life for myself with only a passing thought to her in many areas. God also showed me that he allowed all of these things to happen so that I would finally realize I was not truly in control. Many years ago, my wife tried to tell me that I was controlling. I was offended and denied it. Well, as it turns out, I was and I am. For much of our marriage, I've been trying to control my wife in every aspect of her life. I tried to control what she watched, what she read, how she spent her days even when I wasn't around, how she interacted with our kids. 
I strangled her with control so much that she retreated into herself and became severely depressed for many years, ultimately leading to her trying to hurt herself. Besides my wife, I was also trying to control my kids, how they behave in church, how they worship God, whether they sit or stand during the worship service, whether they leave the sanctuary during the worship service or not. Every detail of what they watch on TV, do on their phones, the friends that they have, literally every part of their life I was trying to control. I was trying to control all of my circumstances too, like the problems that kept arising with the houses, uh, with the house and with the cars. At no point during all of that did I ever try to give over control of that to God. Until now. God used all of this to humble me. To cause me to recognize my arrogance and my pride. And to repent of it. To surrender control to him because whenever I am in control, despite my best intentions, all I can do is hurt and harm those around me. God showed me that the reason for the problems in my marriage was because I was not there for my wife like I should have been. I had not loved her like she needed to be loved. I had not honored her as God had intended. But God also showed me mercy and forgiveness. I have repented to my wife and to my children. And ever since, God has allowed me to love my my wife like never before. To see her through his eyes. To have an affection for her and and an adoration of her that she always deserved. And in response, God has brought us closer. I have truly forgiven her, and she has truly forgiven me. I know this doesn't mean that we will never have problems again, but I stand now on the promise of Matthew 6, 25-33, and I'd like to read that. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I say to you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today and tomorrow is, which is, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, 
For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Amen. wanted to let you know that when he said we we're closer he he didn't say that he's been treating me like I'm his newlywed wife just with kindness and compassion and love Amen. I took a lot of guts to come up in here and say that but it's amazing with one decision of obedience, the power of God comes in and gives you the power to do it, changes your heart. So, Norm, I want you to pray over anybody who's dealing with control issues, which is all of us, <laughs> and over marriages, that God would restore that. Come on, let's pray. Heavenly Father, first, I thank you for your mercy. And for your grace, God that we don't deserve, but you give freely. I pray for every person here, every man who struggles to try to control his environment, to try to control every detail of his life. We are taught this from a young age, to be independent, to be strong, to, to be in control. And even more so for people like myself who we're in the military and we're, it's drilled into us. So Father, I ask that you would help everybody who struggles with that over their life, that they would recognize, first of all, God, that, they're, that they are doing it, that they are strangling their families, that they are hurting their families, their kids and their wife. that they are not trusting in you to take care of all their concerns, their fears. Help them to surrender to you. Help them to have that trust and faith in you, just as I read in Matthew. Help us all to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness and to trust that all of these other things that we try to hold on to, that we try to control God, would just that you, we would let you take care of them and we would have faith that you have good intentions for us. That you care more about the things that we care about than we do. And I pray for marriages, Father, and I pray that you would bring couples together. Pray that you would help each person to put down pride. <clears throat> put down the urge to fight, to resist, and that we would humble ourselves and come together and learn to love one another. That as husbands, we would learn to love our wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. And that means that we sacrifice, that we put her needs above our own, that we serve our wives, 
instead of ourselves. And God, I know that when as husbands we do that, you will stir up within our wives the desire to love us and to respect us as husbands and to honor us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Husbands, take note. Take note. All right, we're going to keep moving on here. We've, we've, we're going to we'll press our time, so let's. I'll just keep going. Okay, um, Lizette, are you here? The Switzer family—they're there, right there. Do you want, can you can you stand up just so that they can see? Okay, this is um, a God story on the, with their son, Elliot. He's nine years old. It's precious. Okay, so um, Elliot Switzer, about two weeks into the fast, he came to us parents and asked to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. If you're new and you're like, what is baptism in the Holy Spirit? Go read the book of Acts in the Bible, and you'll see what that is. <laughs> Um, He told us that he wanted to receive the gift of speaking in tongues because he felt in his spirit that he needed to be empowered to do more for God and pray over family and friends. Wow. Nine years old. Nine. Like he's got a call on his life for that to be in his heart. So we began to read scriptures about being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues to build up his faith. As we prayed with him, he stepped out in faith and spoke in tongues, receiving his own prayer language. And he said it was the happiest day of his life. Amen. Praise God. Do it, my kids, Lord. Randy Edge. Where's Randy? Randy, stand up. All right. I've been coming to Resonate for two years. And a year ago, Diana caught me after church and said, you have to go to Ben's class. Ah, Ben's class. Starting in a couple of weeks. Starting next month. I was all in and could not wait to get started. I have lived decades with unforgiveness and bitterness that led to a lot of built-up anger and self-hatred. I was broken mentally and emotionally and physically. I started The Greatest Journey, that's Ben's class, in the spring of last year, and I have now completed two of The Greatest Journey 10-week sessions. It's addicting. And I've attended the weekend session as well. During the end of the fall session, I grabbed one of the books Ben wrote, Encounter with the King. I lived my entire life wondering if I had the Holy Spirit, and as a kid growing up in church, I really didn't remember being told how to seek Him. For the last six months, I really began seeking and searching for the Holy Spirit. The first time I read Encounter with the King, I could not put it down. My eyes were glued to the words on every page, Encounter with the King's Ben's book, and I could not put it down. My eyes were glued to the words on every page. A few days later, I picked up the book again, made it through chapter 6, and fell asleep for the night. I found myself walking down a path... I came to the end of the path. This wasn't a dream. This was a dream, right? Uh, I had see. I came. I came to the end of the path, and I see a person's arms laying lay me down. I look up to see the arms coming towards me, and I had this feeling that I was going to die. Then I hear his voice, as he's walking towards me, he says, "You have the Holy Spirit." And then he laid his hands on me. My body started to lift up. This is a dream, and I had the sensation that my body was separating. 
I look back and I see a part of me still laying on the ground and the other part of me is lifted up. I woke up breathing heavily and my body still felt like I was being lifted up. I realized then I was born again. And this is what I've been waiting for. Shortly after this dream, I was given my prayer language and began to speak in tongues. Hallelujah. Never stop seeking. It will come. Wow. And that's, that's with nobody, nobody laying hands on her. It was, the, it was Jesus in a dream laying hands on her and, and saving her and filling her with the Holy Spirit. Like that. Yeah. Praise yep. God. Incredible. And this next one is another another vision. So yep. let's let's read that. We're Sydney here. Sydney, I think she. There she Sydney. is. Sydney's new here to resonate her family. So we're glad. <laughs> here, I'll okay. Just over. There you go. Okay. Uh, my dad died Christmas Eve, 2011, after a year of suffering. A resident made a mistake during a standard procedure the year before that caused him to suffer a major stroke and lose functionality completely in the right side of his brain. He was completely paralyzed on the left side of his body and rarely had moments of lucidity. My dad devoted his adult life to the church, becoming a pastor later in life. He was so strong in his beliefs. Because of his beliefs and my immense love for him, I struggled to understand why God would allow him to suffer as he did his last year and then take him from us. I wasn't even 30 yet, had never had a formal wedding, and all of us had had small kids who barely knew him. I was so angry that our children wouldn't get to grow up with him, enjoy his cooking, or benefit from his wisdom and love. Up to that point, I had never questioned God or if heaven was real. But after his death, I started trying to research anything I could to get proof that heaven was real and I'd get to see him again. I never found anything that convinced me. And over time, my anger toward God was so strong that I totally gave up on Christianity. I still felt it was important to expose my kids to church, so we would try churches from time to time, but never found one that we felt that felt right. We visited Resonate Life like we had other churches. There were things we liked and some things we didn't care for, like other churches. For some reason, we came back more than we had other ch- with other churches. And over Thanksgiving, we had family in town, so we missed the Sunday service that week. The next Sunday, we stayed up way too late and didn't get the laundry done. I feel you, girl. So I didn't feel like going to church and didn't have anything to wear. <laughs> I sat down at the computer while everyone else slept and replayed the sermon from the week before. This was when Ben was preaching that day, and I watched the message. There was a point in his message where he started telling a story about this couple that were sick. The husband had stage four cancer, and the wife was recently diagnosed with breast cancer. He prayed to God, this was Ben, prayed to God, and all he was told by God was that one of them would live and one would pass away. They all assumed that the husband would be the one that passed away because he had stage four. It turned out that the wife was the one that passed away. And while she was on her deathbed, she from time to time would describe seeing Jesus and talked about how beautiful he was. Out of nowhere, it was like I blinked out. It was like a vision happening. I instantly was in my dad's hospital room. I could see him lying in the bed with the chaplain next to him in a chair. 
So we had left my dad that, that night and were told he would likely be fine and we could come back the next day. And he died before we saw him again. But the next day we met with the chaplain and he told us that he was with my dad when he passed and that he was praying for him. But my dad wasn't responsive. So that's some backstory. So in the vision, it feels weird referring it to that way, as she says, but I could see my dad in his bed with the chaplain there. I saw a bright light, I guess, and a hand stretched out of it. I then saw my dad's spirit leave his body and grab the hand. Then it was like he knew I was there, and he turned to look at me. My dad had these beautiful blue eyes that were piercing. I was looking into his eyes, and without any words, it was like he was talking to me. He let me know that he was okay. He was happy and in pure joy with God. Then I felt him hug me, not like I imagined it, but I could physically feel the weight of him hugging me. I knew then that heaven was real. I felt in my spirit that God had led me through all of that to answer something I had asked for many, many years ago. I had asked so much that I actually stopped asking and had forgotten about it. I was urged in my spirit then to make sure that I shared my story with my siblings and my mom. As I've typed all of this, it occurs to me that I'm supposed to share it with a lot of people. I know there's doubt in the world, but I know that heaven and God and everything I've learned about are real. Now I actually want to pursue God, the Bible, church, and make sure my family grows bigger in their faith. I know this all sounds crazy and you don't know me well. <laughs> so this probably doesn't resonate as much as it does with my family or friends. I was prophesied over as a teenager and, and told I was meant to be a big leader in the church and would be a great force for the church, but I ended up resenting that message and ran as far away from it as I could and burned the tape back in the tape days <laughs> that it was recorded on. I've run from it, then lost all belief due to losing my dad and other life stuff. That vision was 100% real, and I know God is real. I know it's all re real, and I know God allowed me to see and feel all of that because he knew that's what I needed to be healed and come back to him. It's a lot to try and type out, and I'm not a writer, but she's probably talking to us. Thank you for listening to God, to God all those. Thank you for listening to God all those. She's talking, I think, about to, to you. Um, and she's just saying thank you, thank you. I've got a lot of catching up to do, and while... And I'm still trying to remember how to seek the Holy Spirit and listen to what God is saying to me. Um, I've gone years saying that when I prayed, God never spoke to me. But maybe he was, and I couldn't hear it. He wow. is speaking to us. But man, that was life-changing. What a powerful Sydney. testimony. Mm -hmm. Amen. Well, we got two more. I know we're running a little bit. Can we hang in there for just a few, for two more? Yeah, yeah. This one I'm going to have a hard time getting through. This is my friend Cody over here. Cody and Sam. Cody, why don't you, Sam, why don't you guys stand up? We baptized Cody a few uh, months ago. And uh, he says, all my life I believed in, in God, but it was just because God made more sense than science. I didn't read the Bible. I didn't go to church much or even for the right reasons. And I made my own rules in life. Then in August 2019, I experienced something that threw my life into a deep depression and extreme denial of that depression. As a police officer, you see a lot of terrible things, and until then I was able to handle the law, the violence, and the risk of losing my life and the death. Well, it was all part of the job, and I made it through. 
But that day we had a crash come out over the radio, so I turned on my lights and I ran the code to the scene. When I got there, I see one kid laying in the road, bleeding but alive. Then I see a man standing next to his completely destroyed truck, bleeding, and some of his, someone screaming from the inside. The kid, I'm sorry, his son was screaming from the inside, but the kid was safe. Another officer comes up and says, well, there was a pregnant wife and another kid in a truck, but he can't find them. We start looking and end up finding the eight-month pregnant wife dead under the truck tires. Now we're looking for the baby. I end up seeing a car seat under the truck facing away from me so I couldn't see if the baby was in it. I get on the ground and I reach to grab the seat and I feel that the baby is in the seat but it won't move because the seat belt is caught. So I pull out my knife and I cut the seat belt. The entire time I keep telling myself the baby is alive and safe. But I pull the car seat out and the baby was not alive and I won't describe what I saw. Sorry you had to see that. After I realized nothing can be done, we started helping the injured and was able to get them care flight into the hospital. Turns out it was an 18-year-old kid that was drunk and smashed into a truck with a family in it. Before I had time to even get to, through everything, I had a burglar call to come out and I had to run to, to that. It wasn't until my shift was over and I was driving home that I realized what had happened. I started to question if I could have done something I realized that I could still smell the bodies and the gasoline on me. I couldn't eat. I could not get the images out of what I've seen in my head. I didn't want to talk about it or show that it was bothering me, so I tried to stuff it away down deep and pretend it didn't happen. After a while of my wife asking if everything was okay, why are you acting differently? I finally just wanted to be alone and get away, forget everything, so I started drinking, ended up drunk in the field, sitting in a lawn chair, crying and hating everything. I was able to hide my pain until I was drunk, but when I was sober, I couldn't stop seeing it all over again and wanted to drink to forget. Eventually, it got to where I would drink every night to take the edge off, and on the weekends, I would drink even more, especially when I'd catch a smell that reminded me of that night or saw something that brought those images back. Sober me always said everything was fine, while drunk me was a total wreck. I was lost. I felt like something was broken inside from the things I've seen and been through kind of made me just angry with the world. I pretty much given up on going to church and we hadn't been in a while. Finally, Sam talked me into going to a new church that our neighbors go to. I didn't want to go and I didn't pay much attention. Um, but after church, Sam asked, how did I like it? I told her enough to try it again, but really didn't want to go again. The next weekend, Sam and I spoke about never having the light switch moment when we became a hardcore Christians, never having that moment where it just felt like everything changed. Even though we had been at church for years. Well, Sunday rolls around. I told myself, if Sam wants to go, I'll go. But if not, I won't remind her. <laughs> she wanted to go, so I went. While sitting in the chair, decided to pray for the first time in a long time. I prayed for help with being a better follower of Christ, a better husband, and a better daddy. And I asked God to show me how to, and to help him. Then I sat in the chair and I heard Pastor Jeff tell us, if we want to be better husbands and fathers, we need to have Christ in our hearts. If we want to have that light switch moment when we, we need Christ in our hearts, I just broke down with, from this crazy feeling, with this crazy feeling in my heart. It felt like I was in an empty room. It was just me, Pastor Jeff, and God. <laughs> I could not hold back my tears. After church, I found him, and I still couldn't keep it together. I asked what's happened to me, and Jeff said, it's the Holy Spirit you're feeling. I wanted to keep 
This feeling, I asked Jeff, how do I keep it? He told me, the closer I get to God, the more you hear him and feel him. Jeff told me to pursue God every day with prayer and read the Bible. So Sam and I have read the Bible every day and pray as often as possible. That was been months ago. I told Jeff, I feel crazy and vulnerable crying in front of a stranger. But he said, when you open up and are vulnerable, that's when God will come into your heart. Ever since that day, I've been trying to chase that feeling. I can honestly say it has felt amazing. I felt more emotions than I've ever been able to get, be able to let go and relax. I know hard days will come, but I feel like I have the power to now to get through anything. I just want to say one of the things he's talked about, that light, light bulb moment, that light switch moment. And I think that's one of the things that's in, in the church that we, we don't understand. When you become a Christian, you don't just become a better person. You go from a dead person to a live person. You're transformed. And though we, don't, we live by faith, not by sight, not by feelings, but there should be a change in your heart when you give your life to Christ. You should, you, the Bible's clear. We should, our desires for sin go away. Our desires to love. It was so interesting as I met with them for weeks. Every week they would say, man, there's just something. This week, every week it was something. I feel like God's talking to me about the language coming out of my mouth. Talking about giving. Talking about serving. Talking about my life purpose. All of that is the Holy Spirit working in a changed heart. And so I just want to pray real quick for anybody who's never really... It's not about going to church. Church is just an overflow. This is where you learn to be disciple. But it's really about that moment. So I just want to pray real quick. Let's just close our eyes. Lord, we just pray. Every person in this room. And they've never actually given their heart to Jesus. Lord, I pray today is the day of salvation for them. Lord, we release God. It's not just the, um, um, or let me say it like this, Lord. We, we recognize our sin. We're not just trying to be good people, Lord. We recognize, Lord, we are wretched without you, Jesus. We are destined for hell, Lord. And I pray if there's anybody in this room, Father, who if they were to die today would have no clue where they would go. Lord, I pray this is the day of salvation that they would surrender their heart to Jesus Christ. If this is you and you're thinking about that, just give your heart to Jesus. Say, Lord, I, just, I, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and you raised from the dead and I accept you in my life. I surrender my life to you. Jesus, come into my life and transform me forever. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we have one last. Where's uh, the Lovitz? Where are you guys at? There they are. Janelle and Layton. And they're going to come up and read their story. And I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. Their story about Adeline. I don't know if you are aware of Adeline. But uh, we've got, uh, she's got some pictures. I don't know how you want to play those pictures, but that's her that Layton's holding right there. So our daughter Adeline, I'll try to be fast guys, sorry. Um, no, don't, well, you take your time. Is our youngest, who is seven years old, and she was um, diagnosed with rhabdomyosarcoma in June of last year. This is a rare form of childhood cancer that is very serious and often known to relapse with vengeance. Um, through the grace of God, her tumor was located above her eye, which caused it to, you can kind of see in the picture, her eyes started to close, and then it just got worse and worse. Um, 
but we were able to get it faster than we would have um, before it went too far or spread. It is also um, what we were told is a more favorable location if any tumor location can be favorable. Um, but anyways, so early on, friends, family, and you know our parents and our, my mom spoke about faith and healing and holding on to and knowing God's word, and this will bring healing and wholeness. God placed many verses on our hearts early in Adeline's journey, but one of the main things that stands out um, is that after we were telling Adeline about her initial scans and that there was nowhere else but you know, the tumor that was above her eye, there was nowhere else in her body that had the bad cells. Um, she, and that so many friends were praying for her and loving on her, she just said, God is the best. And then separately, when we told the boys, um, we have a eight-year-old boy and an 11-year-old boy, Grayson and Rylan, um, the same thing about her being clear of all the bad cells in her body, um, Rylan says, away from her, didn't hear this before, God is the best. And that was just the perfect beginning to our journey. And um, it just really set the stage for God looking after us and taking care of us. Um, God also spoke directly to Leighton um, while we were driving home and feeling very anxious for what was to come. The Holy Spirit filled Leighton with a warmth and um, the strength and very clearly let him know and, and he heard with a strong voice have faith my son um, so in mark eleven twenty four, therefore i say to you whatever things you ask when you pray believe that you will receive them and you will have them this verse helped us so much when all we could think about was please lord do not let this cancer take our girl god showed us he was with us from the start I'm a big collector of information, and I need to know everything there is about a problem and exhaust all the ways to confront it, as well as ask everyone I can about experience, research, all of that. And um, a lot of this I feel like I can kind of just maybe skip and talk about later, but um, it was also terrible. It was, it's not a fun journey. Cancer is not a fun journey, especially not childhood cancer. Um, and she had a lot that she had to put up with and deal with, but we just had so many amazing people in our lives supporting us, you guys through the church, praying for us, and now we're here in less than three weeks. Her port is going to be, her port is what the chemo um, is delivered to her body, and that's going to be removed in less than three weeks. Her next MRI is set for mid-March, so we need all the prayers that this cancer is completely gone and will never come back. And I know that the Lord has healed her and she no longer is going to have to deal with this. Um, and we just love that we've seen her so strong and courageous through this all. Um, so, sorry, I'm trying to <laughs> skip over some of this part. Um, but... A side note, too, is that, you know, we moved here in 2019 after we had a restaurant that ended up having to, we had to close, and we lost about a half a million dollars, um, and I truly thought that was it. That was our big trial in life that, you know, if we could overcome that, we would be able to, you know, keep going, right? But then that would be it, right? No more trials. Why would we get something else? Um, but... 
They never stop, do they? The trials never stop. And I do think that God helped us to conquer this journey um, by showing us that he was there for us then. And he was there for us now. We knew it at the beginning of the journey. We knew that God was there for us. Um, and we also had a friend who had just found out that she had breast cancer right before all this. My daughter's little best friend. And to have to help her in the beginning of her journey and walk through it helped us um, to be prepared for our journey. Um, but yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. There's so much, but it's too much. Wait, you want to say anything? <clears throat> Put a microphone in front of me is, uh, you know, I get a little anxious, but uh, just thank you so much for this church. Um, we live thousands of miles from uh, family members, uh, media family members, and uh, uh, a lot, many people have stepped, uh, have just done so much for us, and just even just in prayer. And uh, everybody always is asking about, you know, Adeline and how she's doing. And um, we just, we're really thankful for you. So, <laughs> sorry. But, uh, yeah, just thank you all for prayers. Prayers work. And, um, you know, the support has just been amazing. So, you know, just anybody who's dealing with this, like, uh, God forbid, if anybody else, anybody has to deal with something like this. Um, sorry. Just, um, you're in a great place. This, this is a family, and uh, just thank you all. We love you, Resonate Life. I, I want you to know me yet. Um, I want to end with two things. Um, I want to pray for Adeline. This thing's completely gone in the name of Jesus and I want to pray for one other thing so Lord we pray just stretch out your hands to that little girl Lord I pray for Adeline Lord I thank you that you are the healer and we believe that you are healing her that you have healed her she is completely healed in the name of Jesus Lord we pray that ne this never comes back we bind this sickness and disease over her body and say she is healed in the name of Jesus Healed in the name of Jesus, Lord. And this is, a, this is something, Lord, that they look back, Lord, as a landmark in their life of, man when, man, when that happened, look what God did. Look what he did. So, Lord, we pray the blessing over her in the name of Jesus. And then I want to pray one thing, because one of the things, I don't know if you've watched these guys, they have walked with, I, I know you may not feel it, but such grace and peace through this. And... Some of you are going through something. That, that's a gift from the Lord, by the way. That's a gift from the Lord. And I, some of you are going through some things right now. And I just want her to pray over the peace of God that, that would, would surround your hearts and, and just fill you with this spirit. Because I really watched them do that. I kept looking at them like, man, I, I watched those pictures. I looked at those pictures last night. I was just bawling. Because I can't imagine going through that as a parent. But... Um, but can you just pray over that? Just the peace of God over anybody going through that. Anybody just want to raise their hand and say, I need, I need some peace in my life for what I'm going through right now. Yeah, just, just pray over them. Lord, we just thank you and praise you so much, Lord. We know that you're there for us and you're in all these trials that come into our lives and these difficult situations. 
and you just wrap your arms around us, Lord, and we feel it. We feel it through the church body. We feel it through our friends and family. We feel it through your praise and worship songs, um, through prayer, and just through everything, Lord. And we just thank you, and please be with all the people out there that are dealing with these trials and difficult situations and help us to just know that you have your arms around us, Lord. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys. Love you, guys. Hey, let's stand up. I apologize we went late today. I apologize to the kids' workers back there. But uh, these stories need to come. Come back for part two next week. Part two, just as good, just as good. Hey, let's just give God praise for everything he's done. Come on, let's give him praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Will you guys be blessed? Have an amazing week, and we will see you soon. God bless.